Hey everybody, this is Mark Danzi, and I want to say again, thanks for listening to the 419 Disciple Makers podcast. If you're listening to this, it's because you're interested in being all that God has uh, created you to be, to grow into the fullness of Christ. And every year we have a conference here at Mount Pisgah, and this year our conference is Empowered, Grow into the Fullness of Christ. And we want to invite you to be a part of this. Uh, Stephen Macchia will be here, he'll be our presenter, he's a conference speaker, a ministry coach, a spiritual director, and it's going to be Friday, August 23rd. 7 to 9 p.m. and Saturday, August 24th, 9 a.m. to noon. So often we are working and volunteering and serving, and it actually can leave us exhausted at the end of the day, but this isn't the kind of life that the Lord envisioned for us. Actually, our serving, our working should be a fulfilling, enriching experience. You can go to our website uh, and get more information, mountpisgah.org backslash empowered. We really hope to see you there and uh, join us as we get empowered. In Matthew 4.19, Jesus says, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Join us in this conversation as we discuss following Jesus, leadership, and doing life with others. Welcome to the 419 Disciple Makers Podcast. Hi, everyone. I hope you're having a great day today doing whatever it is that you're doing. We are because we are with Beth Laurie, and Beth is a disciple maker. So thanks for joining us today, Beth. Hi, Mark. Glad to be here. Yeah, you. Um, I can see a big smile on your face because you love talking about spiritual growth and spiritual direction and just connecting people to Jesus. And so mm-hmm. I believe our listeners are in for a treat today. Beth, just so y'all know, she is really the brains behind our whole 419 movement, our leadership, um, everything that we're trying to do in disciple making and even this podcast. So you're hearing uh, from, from my boss uh, right now, which is pretty cool when it comes to all this thing 419. Uh, but Beth, one thing I know about you is that you love Jesus and you love sharing it with women. Mm, yes, very much. Very much. That's what yes. God's called me to do. Yeah. How did you first learn that God was calling you to do that? Well, that's a story. Um, <laughs> you know, I was discipled and then I was pushed out of the nest to start a group and I remember thinking, okay, Lord, I'll do anything that you ask me to do, and I'll do anything that this wonderful mm-hmm. person that's invested in me would ask me to do. So I don't know what I'm doing, but <laughs> I'll do it. And I just remember blindly walking in. And then during discipling others, I realized there's nothing better than the front row seat of yeah. seeing people transform and grow into what God wants them to be. Yeah. And it's just a beautiful thing to witness. Now, you said you were discipled. I mean, was this something like uh, for, as from a child? Uh, what? No, my, my story was a little unique. I, um, I, was, I was discipled as a kid, but then I sort of didn't intentionally, but sort of swayed from my faith um, during my teenage and young adult years. Mm-hmm. And I always knew that God was there, but I, I was definitely living for myself. I wasn't living for Him in any way during those years. Mm-hmm. And... Um, it wasn't until I got to a really bad place and I realized my way's not working and maybe Eureka. God's way would be a lot better. So what if we tried his way? And I remember I got down on the knee on my knees in my bedroom and I said, Lord, I just surrender it all to you. I can't do this anymore. And by Great this time I was, you know, I was married, I had two kids, mm. and I could just see that the the life that I was on wasn't working and mm. I wanted to try it his way. So I was attending here at Mount Pisgah, and I would sit in the back row, and every sermon I would just cry and think, oh my goodness, I needed to hear that. But I, I wanted more. I just didn't know what the more was. And um, 
a friend said, you need to like talk to somebody there. Because I was just coming into worship and then oh, leaving. Okay. Like I wasn't any involved in anything. So the next step for you was connecting to some a person. Connecting to a person, right. Yeah. And so I got the name of a lady um, and I asked someone, do you know her? And they said yes. And so she gave me a call and I think she thought I wanted to serve or wasn't really sure what I w- wanted. <laughs> and I was just really transparent. I said, look, my life's falling apart. I know you're supposed to live for Jesus, but I don't really know what that means. Like, Mm -hmm. what does that look like? How do you do that? And she said, will you meet with me and have a cup of coffee? And I'm like, I can do that. That sounds simple. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And um, we just kept meeting week after week after week. So in essence, she was discipling you. And you really didn't, you didn't call it that then, did you? Didn't call didn't it that then. Didn't know what it was. Didn't yeah. know what it was. I just knew just I needed someone. a spiritual someone. friend. Yeah, a spiritual friend. And she listened in the beginning as I complained a lot. Mm-hmm. But then she always pointed me back to Christ. She'd give me scriptures to read. Hmm. She would invite me to something that was deeper, like Emmaus, or she just kept encouraging me on that walk. And wow. it just oh, transformed my life. I that mean, is- God saved so many things. I could sit here for the next hour and just tell you about what God did, <laughs> but it was awesome. <laughs> yeah. And that's the simplicity of discipleship, isn't it? Absolutely. It's uh, you get to know someone, you listen to their challenges and struggles, you point them to Christ, you pray for them, invite them into deeper scenarios, deeper walks, and uh, and God grows. God does the growing, God and here does you are. The growing. Absolutely. Yeah. That just frees you from making it difficult. Yeah. yeah. Well, incredible. Well, you know a ton about. Um, about discipling women. I don't. Uh, most of the people I've discipled in my life, of course, are men. And uh, But I think women are different than men. Mm-hmm. Do you? I do. Yeah. yeah. And what have you found um, is some of the unique challenges of discipling women? I thought about this a lot because I've seen at our church, like the men really took off with discipleship and the women didn't, which is sort of different. In, in general, we typically have more women in Bible studies and those kind of things. Yeah. Um but I really think, first of all, that men got the leadership piece. Like they were like, "Oh, okay. I think I think God could use me here." And I feel like that after a time, you could see they just went right there. Hmm. Where I I wonder and I ponder this. But you know, when God made women, He made them to be a helpmate for men. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a natural bent inside of us women to just sort of hold back a little bit. Mm-hmm. And let somebody else lead because we know we were made to be helpmates. Now, it doesn't mean that we can't be leaders and that we won't be leaders because we know lots of great women that will step up there. But yeah. I think there's a pause that happens there hmm. just to say, I don't I don't have to lead. I think God's made me to support. Mm-hmm. And so I think in that, that's what sort of happened here at our church was the men sort of took off and the women sort of paused and watched and waited. But then you can see the momentum started. Yeah. And I had women that would come to me and they go, okay, my husband was in one of those covenant groups and he's a different man. Mm-hmm. I don't know what they did, but I want that for me. Wow, can I be cool. in a covenant group? Wow. And it was so, it was contagious that way. You yeah. know, they, these women saw their, their husbands become the man they always dreamed they would be. Yeah. And then they wanted to experience that for themselves. And now there's a lot of women in leadership, there isn't there? Is, yeah, there's yeah. no more pause here. Right, there? there's not. But I still think that there's a sometimes when you think like, oh, why aren't you know that? It's just a natural thing. I don't I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's a good pause. Uh-huh. And then it but then then they they catch on. And so I know you have uh, had many women in your discipleship groups over the years and still still doing that. Um, what have you found that really that they're really looking for? I always ask the women when they start, like at the first night of the very first mm-hmm. covenant group meeting, I say, um, 
share a little bit about yourself and share why you wanted to be in this group. And almost always they say, I need spiritual friends. Spiritual friends. So they, they come with that, I need a spiritual friends. I need, I need real authentic places. I mm-hmm. need a place where I can take my mask off and be fully myself because I don't get that anywhere else. But then they find it's even more like getting to know Jesus in such a deep way. Yeah. Wow, that's even more than I thought. And mm-hmm. then getting to live my life the way he asked me, wow, that's even more. Mm-hmm. So there's like a, a depth to it that I don't think they realize as they walk in. Yeah, it breaks the seal, doesn't it? And mm-hmm. they begin to see that it's really about growing in Christ. And the the discipleship group is is the place that Jesus. I mean, Jesus instituted that, didn't he? Mm-hmm. I mean, he comes. He could have just taught to the masses. He could have just done one on one. But he comes and he puts this group together for three years. And in that three years is where we get our model for what we're calling covenant groups. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking, "What's a covenant group?" It's a group of people of about I don't know five to seven, eight that will meet about once a week for a couple of hours for about three years and try to learn and live out everything that Jesus taught us. And whether you're a male or female, it all applies, doesn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. It is. It's a beautiful experience. And and one of the ways I know that you have, um, you're kind of an expert in the spiritual direction, uh, spiritual formation type world that a lot of people that would be leading a group, you know, they're just trying to figure out who's going to put out the chips and dip and, uh, you know, what scripture are we going to look at tonight? But in your case, you see things from a much different perspective, I think. Um, tell us a little bit about that. What's been your spiritual direction, spiritual formation uh, learnings that you that we mm. can benefit from? Well, and I would start by saying that, again, it was that same witness of lives being transformed that got me passionate about that. I don't even think I even knew what the word spiritual formation meant, and I don't think most people know what a spiritual director is. Yeah. But I think that it is just growing in Christ, becoming like Christ and living for Christ, and it's a beautiful thing to witness. And I think that passion that grew within me was just seeing this happen. And when our life is mm-hmm. starts to fully align there, uh, everything else falls into place. I mean, marriages are saved, and people um, just... You can just see it. It's 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 something that you can't describe always, but you can mm-hmm. literally see the change in people. And it take, I takes I, life to a different level of satisfaction and joy, it, doesn't it? It really does. Yeah. And I I think that maybe people don't know there's that there's a more mm-hmm. of Christ, and so sometimes we think, okay, I know who Christ is, but do you know him like he's your best friend, like? Mm-hmm. You don't have to go to anybody else. He's the one who gets everything about you. He's the one who will help you through it. He's right there with you. And that kind of a friendship, Mm. like none other. Mm. And I think once people start hearing it and seeing it and getting that taste and see the Lord is good, then they just can't help but get excited. Cause you it's... know what? I used to have a friend that owned a fudge shop in Cherokee, North Carolina, and the, his on his sign, that was the scripture, Psalm 34, taste and see that the Lord is good. <laughs> Every time I eat fudge now, I think about that scripture, but sorry. Maybe he's listening Gosh, today. <laughs> I, I really wish I had some fudge right now. <laughs> but it is a beautiful thing. I mean, spiritual formation, just growing into that Christ-likeness. And so... Um, a spiritual director is a person that helps notice God's presence and activity in someone's life. Huh. And I was able to go to school just recently, the last few years, and um, study on how to be a spiritual director. And 
walk alongside others. And so you really sit with someone one-on-one. So this is sort of different from discipleship, um, but you explore. Um, so is a spiritual director like like a counselor, like you would hire them or something? or um, You make an appointment with them like a counselor, and, and some are paid. Most of them that I know are, are not. Okay. Um, but they're like a spiritual guide. They, huh. they sit with you, and they help you notice God's work in your life. They help you respond to the Trinity and God's presence all around you. Sometimes we are so blinded to what God's doing around us, mm-hmm. and we need a partner to help us see and, and hear and notice all the things that God's doing. And so um, they can also help you grow um, in your relationship with the Trinity, with the divine, and um, and also grow in your own spirituality. So it's just a beautiful thing to have a companion. Mm-hmm. I actually think it's very complementary to discipleship. Um, oh, okay. You know, it's not something that I necessarily do with the women in my group, but I see the benefit of having a one-on-one, yeah. and I also see the amazing benefit of having a group. Like both of them are very valuable in mm-hmm. your in your spiritual walk. Yeah, and so you've had a spiritual director in your life, right? I have. And um, for you, um, what would you say the benefit to your, just the value of your life has been since you engaged with him? So it's a little bit about what I was saying before. Like, I knew God, um, and I loved God, and I wanted to serve God as I had done discipleship for years and um, sort of thought, okay, this is my purpose. Mm -hmm. But what spiritual direction gave me was a deeper relationship with God, like a enjoying His presence every moment of every day and um, freeing me um, from things that I didn't even know that I was captive to, but my mind was tricking me <laughs> in. I don't know if that makes any sense, but mm-hmm. sometimes just our thinking, uh, we, we're we called to have the mind of Christ, and He wants to give us that, but sometimes our thinking is just off. And so a spiritual director can help you to notice those things within yourselves and notice mm. um, maybe even your view of God. Like a lot of people say they love God, but they might have in the back of their mind the image of a parent that wasn't loving toward them. And so they still yeah. think maybe God's not loving toward them. And so just a lot of deep inner work, I think, mm-hmm. is done in spiritual direction and and the encouragement for spiritual formation. So it's just a safe place to really be honest with who you are and what God is doing in your life and yeah. just a beautiful place. Yeah, I, th- I I think we overcomplicate things so much, don't we? Mm-hmm. We put labels and systems and titles and stuff on all these things, and it's really just about walking with Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not that simple. I mean, it, it sounds really simple, but if it were that simple, everybody would be doing it. Right. Uh, but so it's almost one of these things that uh, you really do need spiritual friends, spiritual directors, spiritual companions to just point you back to stay on, on path, on track. Mm-hmm. Yes. No doubt about it. Well, what um, what are you uh, what are you seeing that's encouraging? Because some of the folks that are listening today are uh, leading groups. Uh, they're just trying to be a disciple who is making disciple makers, and some are just on the fringe. They're not even in a group yet. And um, so, what are you seeing these days in the world of disciple making that would inspire us? Yeah, so I, I thought about this coming on because for me, like I was. I was there as we made the website. Like that was the thing that was most tangible to me because as a disciple maker, I needed practical stuff. Mm-hmm. 
I always heard inspiring messages about being a disciple maker, but I needed the practical because I'm like, okay, how do I do this? <laughs> yeah. um, and so um, that was the formation of, of the website. And if you guys haven't been there, I would encourage you to go and check it out. It um, is 419disciplemakers.org. Absolutely. Tons of resources and content on there. And one of the there's there's a couple of resources about this, but I think I'm going to talk it talk about it from a high level. But is the benefit of role playing in your covenant group? Um, when you say the word role playing, you think of like acting out a scene, or yeah, you might charade, think of, <laughs> right? <laughs> and people immediately hate that. Like they're like, yeah. no, please, anything yeah. else but that. But a covenant group is the perfect place for role playing because it's safe. You feel accepted there, and you can get outside your comfort zone. So if you're thinking, I could never lead a covenant group, or I could never disciple someone else, or I could never share my faith, all these nevers that we put in our yeah. in our own path, a covenant group is the place that you can practice those. It's um, So what does role-playing look like inside your covenant group? Yeah, it's like training. It's a training ground. But there's lots of little things you can do for role-playing, like um, asking someone to lead the group next week. They don't even know that's role playing, but they're role playing when ah. they lead the group. Hey, can you lead us next week? Uh-huh. You know, in in our group, um, you could have them. You could study what you believe. Like you might study um, your your faith, the Apostles' Creed, whatever your beliefs, uh-huh. and then you could role play sharing what you believe, being able to speak to what you believe, putting words, uh-huh. your words, into what you believe. I mean, okay. that's that could be very valuable. You never know when you would use it, but yeah. that's the whole point of role-playing is you practice something, and then you're pretty much becoming an instrument in God's hand. Then He gets to pick and choose as to when you will use these things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we, you know what, we, we did that in our group around sharing your faith. Yes. And so it was like, hey, here's a scene. You're in a Starbucks. A uh, guy sits down beside you, makes a comment about your Bible or whatever it is, or book you're reading or something, and you start a spiritual conversation. And we're all going to watch for 10 minutes and then critique you. Ready? Go. And you can see the sweat breaking out on the bread. <laughs> But that's a perfect one. I remember so many times in my early walk where the Holy Spirit would nudge me, like, share me with this person. I'd be Mm -hmm. talking to somebody, and they would say, share me. I'd be at work, or I'd be in the grocery store, wherever. And I was too scared. And that's the great thing about role-playing in a safe place is that you practice it then, and then when the Holy Spirit nudges you, you go, wait a second, I've done this before. I can do this again. Wow. It's a confidence builder. And yeah. so I really think that the, the the practical piece, the training piece, the the skills or the competency of of having a covenant group is being able to to practice sharing your faith, uh, bringing people to Christ. Um, you could even, if you're thinking about starting your own covenant group, wouldn't it be really cool to practice inviting people into your new covenant group, but with your current covenant group? Uh-huh. So you could say, hey, I don't really know how to invite somebody. Can mm-hmm. we practice this today? And then they get practice on how to tell people what a covenant group is and how to invite them. Um, all you, of that is just... You know, we do that in just about every arena of life, it seems like, except our spiritual stuff. We think spiritual stuff just drops out of heaven into our heart, and we automatically are good at it. 
<laughs> or bad at it, right? And right. if we're bad at it, it's just not our calling. Right. <laughs> but I think we need that chance to build confidence, and the Holy Spirit yeah. will be there with us. But usually our, our minds, it's us holding us back, not the Holy Spirit. He's saying go. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so this is just that safe place to be able to do it. So role-playing, you also develop really good listening skills when you're role-playing because you have to be fully present for the person that you're role-playing with. Yeah. And listening skills are a huge part of discipleship. Mm-hmm. You got to be a good listener. You got to be able to hold people's stories and and really hear what God's doing in their life. Um, it's also in a controlled environment to do problem solving. So like if you get yourself, I can imagine when you guys did the um, sharing your faith, you mm-hmm. can get into some sort of situations and you're like, ah, I don't really know how to say this. Yeah. And then you have a group of friends right there with you that, get, that could help you find those words. Yeah. And not that it is our words. The Holy Spirit will give us that. I really just think it's a place to break down mm-hmm. the the stress that we give ourselves about. Yeah. You know, I did a, I think you know this, I, I did mediation training uh, several years ago and, and became a, a mediator. So I do domestic divorce mediation, civil mediation, all that. And it was, it, what I noticed was in the training, it was me and a bunch of lawyers, all right, this pastor and a bunch of lawyers, which was immediately weird for them. Um, but I noticed that in the mediation training, we spent about a third of the time on the content and two-thirds of the time role-playing the content. Mm. So they would put us in a room, and you had two people that are in, in a, either a divorce or a dispute, and you were the mediator, and they had their case, their their scenario, and you were forced to act this out like it was real. And I can remember, that was the best part of the training. Mm-hmm. Now, doing mediation, I rely back on the role-playing is much or more than I rely on the content that we got in the training. So you're bringing a whole new thing to a lot of people right now because I know that a lot of people in groups are doing the study, they're praying together, but role playing, right? <laughs> it's it's the equipping piece. It's the it's what makes it different from a Bible study, right? Is yeah. you're going to walk out of a covenant group with skills on how to invest in that next generation, mm-hmm. how to help people come to know Christ, and how to be able to build God's kingdom. And, and you have to practice the skills. You have to give space. So if you have an hour and a half, you know, that you guys meet for or two hours on your weekly covenant group meeting, you have to allow 20, 30 minutes, whatever you think is is the right for that particular topic to to let the group practice these skills. And yeah. if you do that, that helps the leadership piece. Like they are more likely to say, Okay, I think I could lead because they were encouraged and trained in leading yeah. all the three years. They actually did it. Right. Yeah, you can't learn to swim on the internet, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> you got to get in the water. You can't learn to ride a bike uh, reading a book you, or watching a YouTube video. You got you to gotta just do it. And so I love what you're bringing to us today and probably challenging some people out there who you know are going to be meeting with uh, – the, the people in their small group uh, here soon, and uh, they're going to present this thing of, hey, let's role play. And they're probably going to get some pushback, don't you think? Right. Or at least some resistance. Right. But just stay the course. Stay involved. It'll They'll be blessed by it, no doubt about it. Right. And it, as we look at Jesus's model, you know, we don't get to hear everything, all the discussions that, that he did with his disciples, but you know, they were together a lot, you know, yeah. day and night. And so there were deep discussions, and they may not have been actual role playing, but they were getting the words from Jesus. And then he did. He gave them little tasks. He sent them out, right, two by two. He sent them out on these little missions to, to build up their confidence. And that's really what it's about is that Mm -hmm. 
come go and do and then come back. And that might even be another thing you could say to your group. You'd say, hey, I just want you to invite somebody to coffee this week and listen and and listen to their faith and ask them about yeah. their faith. No agenda, no plans, but they build confidence by just having these little moments of of practice. And so it's a... Well, practice, yeah, but it's so practical, you know? And again, that's what you're bringing to us is um, the practical side of disciple making. There are things that you can do and try and they actually work. Mm, <laughs> just yes. don't be afraid of them, right? Yes, absolutely. And I wanted to just um, point out too that, you know, the, with the practical piece, because that's sort of sort of a, a thing that I feel like people want to know. But another big thing, which we were sort of hitting on earlier, is um, that we aren't making disciples. It is it is Jesus. It's God. It's the Holy Spirit who's making disciples. And there's some words that he's given me that I share with the women in my um, groups recently, and I really would love to share it with all of our listeners. Please. But it's just three things, and it sort of takes the pressure off of us. But mm-hmm. the first one is show up. If you are in a covenant group, show up because <laughs> yeah. you can't grow into Christ likeness if you don't show up, right? Yeah, exactly. If you're the covenant group leader, show up. I mean, that's the that is probably the hardest part. You're not part. just meaning physically, are you? I, I, I am meaning both oh, physically. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but show up with your work done, but show up because mm. nothing, our life will not change if we don't show up. And mm-hmm. so we're creating space for God by showing up. We're creating space for Him to do something within us. So mm-hmm. that's the first thing. The second one is be intentional. Mm-hmm. And be intentional is be intentional with keeping it about disciple making. Um, it's easy for it to become a support group. It's easy for it to become a, a Bible study and to spend the whole two hours just looking at the scripture because, wow, there's so many great insights in there. Uh, be intentional to make it about disciple making. Mm-hmm. And if you do that, there will be great things that happen. So be intentional with doing your homework if you're in the covenant group. Be intentional about doing all the uh, personal worship because we cannot grow to Christ's likeness if we do not spend time with Him. So So being intentional is, is, is a big part of that. And then the third one is trust the slow work of God. There is no other work that is as slow as God's work. And I'm not saying that God's slow because we've seen Him like do miracles and transform things, but typical transformation, it's slow. It, it like mm-hmm. watching a tree grow. I mean, it just is, is does not happen fast. Yeah. And we have to trust His slow work, not mm-hmm. our work. Mm-hmm. So we don't show up and say, I'm going to do all these things, and at the end of these three years, there's going to be disciples making disciples. Yeah. Because that would be us owning the outcome, and right. He frees us from all of that. We don't own the outcome at all. Mm. Um, but if we trust Him and His work, then it will be whatever God wants it to be. Gosh, it will be beautiful. Word. That is yeah. good words. Show up, be intentional, and trust the slow work of God. And if we do that... Um, what's been your experience? What's the fruit of showing up, being intentional, and trusting the slow work of God? Well, I mean, I, I've i been making disciples for um, 10 years now, so uh, leading groups and helping women grow, and story after story of women who um, just got excited for Jesus and who are living um, a new way. Um, and again, marriage is saved, yeah. uh, lives changed, uh, a lot of great stuff. And so I, I think, though, of always giving him that glory because we just get to witness it. I call it a front row seat to yeah. seeing what God's doing, right? We're just sitting on the front row. We're going, wow, look at that. Look mm-hmm. at that. 
Um, and so that front row seat is just a place where you can praise him all the time for yeah. the things that he's doing right there in front of you. And, uh, and and I think, again, if you just show up, we become like those instruments in God's hand. Mm-hmm. He can do stuff with us showing up. Yeah. Being present. Right. Yeah. I um I, I think that the, the transformed life, when you think about the the future, the generations that benefit from that. So it might be that we have six people in our group or something on a Monday night in your house and you're, you know, you had a long day and you're sitting there looking at them and they've got issues and uh, you've got issues and you're praying and you've got your scripture ready and all. But in the bigger, the macro picture of things, uh, when you see that behind each one of those people are other people that they're going to lead and other people that they're going to lead and then their families and their children and their grandchildren. It really becomes quite an inspirational thing to think about if all I got to, if all I do is if I'll show up, if I'll be intentional to direct this and if I'll trust the slow work of God, God will absolutely do amazing things through me. Absolutely do amazing things. And yes. that's what we're all hoping for is that it, 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 my life would matter. My life would mm. count, that God would use me. And uh, one day here, well done. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And and we just have to give it time because you can have someone you're discipling and you're pouring into them and it just feels like, okay, I'm not sure this is working. I'm not sure they're getting it. I'm not sure. And let go of that because... God's doing something. Again, mm-hmm. if you're showing up and you're being intentional, God doesn't waste anything. He will use yeah. it, but it will be in his time, in his way. Mm-hmm. I've had I had a woman one time who was in a group and she had to leave for good reasons. Um, but I we kept in touch. And so it was great to keep in touch and I still became a person that she could talk to about spiritual things. She couldn't be in the group then, but she could. She still wanted someone, and by mm-hmm. keeping it safe and trusting that God will pull her back in mm-hmm. to whatever He wants at His perfect time, sort of freed me from thinking, "Ah, was was this not right?" You just took a lot of pressure off people today. I want you to know that. I know that some folks out there are feeling like the weight. Is on them. The, mm. It's up to them to go and make disciples, but it's up to us to show up and be intentional and trust the slow work of God, and then He's going to make disciples. Absolutely. Didn't He say that? Come follow me, and I will make you. Yes. Fishers of men. Yeah. I will make you fishers of men. <laughs> Wonderful, Beth. Well, what kind of uh, encouraging words would you leave our listeners with today? Again, every all walks of life out there. Some people deeply connected to God. Some people, maybe you just stumbled on this. Uh, this podcast today, and you're like, this is different. But what would you? How would you encourage them? I actually brought um, a poem I would love to share Great. with them, if that would be okay. And yeah. my little Alabama accent, um, <laughs> Pierre Chardin. I don't even know how you say it. it's a French <laughs> poet from um, 19, uh, 1800s and early nineteen hundreds. Um, and it says, "Above all else, trust the slow work of God. We are quite naturally impatient in everything." to reach the end without delay. We should like to skip the intermediate stages. We are impatient of being on the way to something, something unknown, something new. And yet it is the law of all progress that it is made by passing through some stages of instability and that it may take a very long time. And so I think it is with you. Your ideas mature gradually. Let them grow. Let them shape themselves without undue haste. Don't try to force them on as though you could be today what time and grace 
and circumstances acting on your own goodwill will make you tomorrow. Only God could say what this new spirit gradually forming within you will be. Give our Lord the benefit of believing that His hand is leading you, and accept the anxiety of feeling yourself in suspense and incomplete. Wow, that's incredible. I think you pronounced his name perfectly. (laughs) (laughs) With my Alabama accent. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it it does... um, you know, it. Uh, I think Eugene Peterson wrote a book on disciple-making. Well, it was actually on the Psalms, uh, where he quotes Nietzsche, of all people, and he calls disciple-making a long obedience in the same direction. Mm. And for many of us in our quick-fix society, in our three-minute attention span, we think that if it's not working in the first three weeks, then it's not going to work. But, you know, Jesus gave us the model, didn't he? Absolutely. He spent three years pouring his life into these men, and it worked. Here we are. Every one of you listening that love the Lord Jesus is probably because of the influence of those people that he discipled. Mm. And there must have been days where he thought, Father, are you kidding me? You know, <laughs> but he stayed the course. So if you're out there today um, and you're feeling encouraged, I know I am. Uh, say a prayer for Beth Laurie and the great work that she's continuing to do. Um, I would just encourage you to show up. Just show up in people's lives. Ask questions. Uh, be intentional about the... Uh, the way you're taking all that you know about living for Jesus and sharing it with other people. Put a plan together. Get a rhythm to it. Make it your own. And then just trust the slow work of God. Um, God is doing great things through you, and especially the stuff you can't see. Mm. It's like the iceberg, right? We see the tip of the iceberg, but underneath the water is so much more, and that's what God's doing, not only in all of our hearts, but in the hearts of the people that he's given us to minister to. So thank you, Beth, for being with us today. And um, if you, uh, for all of you out there listening, go to 419disciplemakers.org. You can get a ton of free resources right there that'll help you be being more intentional. And uh, we just pray God's blessing on you today. Thank you. Thank you. For more information, check out our website, 419disciplemakers.org. Join us again next week as we continue our conversation on the 419 Disciple Makers podcast.